At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And this podcast marathon day is podcast number three, and I'm not going to say I saved the best for last because I don't want to disrespect my other guests today, but oh my God, I've got myself a superstar today. One of the strange, strange people that served in not one, but two elements. So it's very rare that somebody goes from Army to Navy or the other way around, but this guy did it. We're talking about a North Pole explorer, a a former captain of uh, uh, the, what's the name of the team? The Invictus Games. The Invictus Games. Oh, my God. My brain's fried. We have Bruno Gavrumont on the show. Bruno, brother, thanks for being here, man. Oh, Mark, it's so good to be here and what you're doing with your podcast and everything and everybody that we can reach. So it's an honor to be here. Thank you. Uh, and I'm not even going to uh, say any Navy guy jokes because you were because okay. <laughs> you were an Army guy. And uh, there's only two Navy guys that uh, uh, that aren't made fun of by Army guys. And that's uh, Submariners, because those guys are nuts, and Clearance Divers, which you were. Yes. <laughs> that's okay navy jokes are funny they are. <laughs> they are right like i'll say one i'll even start why does the navy have liquid soap why is that because it's harder to pick up oh <laughs> the um <laughs> when i started my career i was in the third battalion in victoria when it existed in work point barracks yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, work point, yeah. So the Naden base was just down the road, and of course, army guys and navy guys would meet at the Tudor House and uh, get in a good scrap with each other. Yes, I've heard of those uh, of those days. I've I've heard of the Tudor House and the Carlton. Right, <laughs> army would go to the Carlton Club, and navy uh, navy would be at the Tudor House, and yeah, and that's then right. Meet up, yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, uh, although I never got in a scrap with the Navy guy, you know, uh, but 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 I've I've been eyed up by a couple of them. <laughs> like, what are you doing in the Tudor house? <laughs> and like I'm 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 causing shit. That's what I'm doing. Waiting for one of you guys to pick a fight with me. Come on, let's go. Uh, yeah, like, and you know what? That's uh, that kept everybody uh, uh, on their toes, and uh, <laughs> you know it's it's what we would call a friendly rivalry. And um, you know I haven't uh, had the uh, the opportunity to serve in both branches. Um, uh, both branches offered me skills that, you know, you didn't have because of, you know, the work that is required and all these things, both branches had professional guys and are doing like great jobs and everything, but like anything else, both branches had some stuff that, you know, could, um, could really, uh, benefit from cross training, right. Which is doing more and more today. There's more and more of that amphibian assaults and all these things and really working together. Uh, but like I said, like I, the only way you can become a clearance diver is if you're a ship steam diver or a combat diver from the engineers. So the fleet diving unit is a really, really good mix of strict professionalism from the Army and, uh, you know, first name basis and um, autonomy of the Navy. Right. Which is which is pretty awesome. Now, for those that are not familiar, a clearance diver clears landmines that are floating in the water. Is that is that about uh, the long and the short of it? Yeah, so we're, we 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 do clearance divers. What they do is they they clear underwater mines up to the beachhead, 
and uh, they clear, they, they raise sunken ship, they rescue people in subs, uh, we do uh, counter ID, we do uh, overland as well. Um, yeah, Clarence divers are, are getting to be uh, doing a lot way more than they used to do back in the days, yes. In other words, you're just buck nuts. <laughs> well, the selection is <laughs> extremely difficult. Uh, I believe on my selection uh, in 2007, there was 30 of us or something, and we finished eight, right? Yeah. Five NCM and three officers. Yeah, yeah and then that's, uh, that's how the military used to be, too. Um, in the infantry, generally one-third of a course would would pass. Um, we had the smallest course ever in battle school. We started with 18, graduated with five. Wow. Five survivors out of 18. It, yeah. it was a tough go. The The pass rate is much higher now in 70, 80% in most courses, but uh, it's a different yeah. way of training now. It's different. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely different trainings. Very, very still, very professional. Still very uh, effective and everything. Just new new and different rules. Some, some smarter people are doing Something, something good. Well, good. not uh, apparently they've figured out that not crippling a twenty-year-old for life is a good idea. Exactly. Let, right? let, so let, let's that's try to said. not cripple them. Right. Exactly. Right. So that, that's what I'm saying. Some smarter, some smarter people took over and said, "Hey, listen, we don't need to do that because I don't know if you ever did the selection for the hill, but it's very well professionally designed, right? Everybody does the same thing, so it didn't matter if you go this year or you went five years ago." Uh, it's you're doing the same amount of push up, the same amount of everything because everybody's tested the the uh, the same way and uh, scientifically designed uh, compared to back in the day where they used to have the guys run 10k with a set of tank on their backs, right? Uh, because you know that's what say you were tough and you could keep on doing and you could uh, be tired all the time and wet and cold and you know doing some stupid stuff just to see who would who would stand there. Right. And, and so just to translate for, for a lot of our listeners, the hill is Dwyer Hill. So that's yes. selection process for um, uh, the special, special operators course. and uh, the, the super duper high speed, low drag guys. And yes. uh, like it's tough enough doing regular infantry. No, I never did selection for the hill and never, never even thought of trying. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I would have passed the, the, the mental part. So, yeah. uh, Bruno, you've got a, a wide range of service and two tours of Afghanistan. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. One in uh, 2003, 2004, Roto Zero in Kabul uh, mm-hmm. when I was uh, with the Army. And then I did, uh, in 2009, I did Roto Seven in Kandahar, but I was affected to the FOB, so it was CNS and Masamgar. Uh, doing some uh, awesome stuff, you know, digging in, digging in some bombs and dismantling some suicide bombers and all that stuff. So it was, uh, it was a good tour. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and um, so now during uh, your your service, you did receive the lucky prize of an operational stress injury. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, something I know a little bit about um, mm-hmm. uh, from my service. So how did... At what point did you realize, holy shit, I think I got PTSD? Right, right. So, you know what? That is such a good question to ask because a lot of people just, we kind of like blindly hit that wall and we're not too sure. So the the way that it's kind of started showing up for me is that anybody that knows me, I'm like a big teddy bear, right? I love to laugh. I love to have fun. And uh, when I came back, it was November 2009. Everything was fine. You're happy to be home. You have that high. 
you know, you you tell your tour stories and everything. You're back at the unit. Everything's going well. You're floating on on cloud nine. Uh, you know, everything's going well. You're happy to be back home and being with your family. And all of a sudden, about six months later, I'm finding that um, uh, it's hard to drive. You know, I, I driving is like I'm. I, if I smell diesel, I'm back in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. My wife was going like, "Where are you going?" And I would, you know, miss my turns. And I was, uh, you know, seeing a lot of kind of body language at the store or somebody being, you know, uh, bullying the cashiers or anything like that. I was very apt because when you're overseas, those senses get heightened because it's what keeps you alive, right? Um, uh, and and the thing is, is that I I would get angry in a split second, like get into anger, which was not something that I, that was, that was happening before. And I would be angry and I didn't know why. And it wasn't me. And then I started to have night terrors, like nightmares. And then uh, I would wake up tired and it started creating this vicious cycle of something going wrong. And I went to see the doctor because at the unit we had our own doctor, the dive doc. And um, so I went to see her and I said, Hey doc, this is what's going on. What's happening and all these things. And she goes, well, Bruno, I think that, you know, exhibiting signs of post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, well, doc, I don't know where you went to school, but not this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, jump on. <laughs> that, that, I don't do that shit. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Maybe, maybe other guys, but not, this but not guy, me. Right? I'm way too strong for that. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so I, I, I start out of there and she goes, okay. And I start out of there and I go back to work and everything. And then all of a sudden I'm, uh, I'm blacking out, Mark, I'm blacking out at the unit. Cause I get, I get like triggered and, um, I'm back in Afghanistan and all of a sudden I wake up and I'm on the jetty at the unit and guys are like, man, where you've been gone. You've been gone for like an hour and a half. And I was like, oh man, I didn't even know. So I was like, something's definitely <laughs> happening here. Some shit's uh, going on here. Yeah. And then I wasn't sleeping. And I was like, and obviously back in the day, um, we're talking about uh, 2010 now. Um, you know, w- w- with the culture that we're living in, what you would do is that, you know what, we'd have some beers, right? And try to, you know, kind of sort it out. Something's off, but I'm just going to have some beer and numb the pain or whatever that is. And uh, went to see the doc again. And uh, still same thing symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder and then i go okay um i don't think so doc but uh we'll we'll check at it right so i was going up this big river in egypt called the nile (laughs) right and uh and i was like man this is this is not happening and then the vicious cycle of not sleeping at night because of the night terrors waking up soaked uh being angry and and frustrated all the time and screaming at my wife and my kid and all these things and you know panic attacks to which i never had before you don't even know what they are anxiety all these things like cars were driving in front of my house and i closed the drawer the 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 drapes and the the blinds because i was like man why these guys driving (laughs) they're just going to work but the stories were coming up and uh and then i started like having this big pain and seeing the dark and then i was like wishing there was a gun in my nights uh, nightstand and uh i uh, started uh, formulating a plan um for suicide i had a spot i had a, a time i had a way to do it and um i says okay just before i do this because i had a son and i said just before i leave my son without a dad i'm just going to go to the, the dive unit again and ask the doc what i should do and i went over there and she goes bruno 
this is what's happening to you. What do you want? Do you want help? And I said, you know what, doc, I have a plan. I have this. So yes, I want help right away. She jumped on the phone. She got me to mental health and I got taken care of very, very well by the forces. So that's, that's the whole story of how I kind of figured it out. And just so you know, I just said, I used the term post-traumatic stress disorder when it was coming out of her mind, but I don't use that. I just use post-traumatic stress, right? I don't yeah, use the D, or, the D word. I, yeah. I like, I, I, exactly. The, the disorder yeah. part, it just, uh, I think it adds to the stigma. Um, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just supposed to, it's a normal reaction to a normal situation. It's just post-traumatic yeah. stress. That's the only reason I'm still using it is because not, uh, not, not everybody understands what an OSI is, an operational stress yes. injury, which is way more accurate of what it is. Yes, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. and it's mm-hmm. um, how I try to explain it to people is when you're on 10 um, for a prolonged period of time, sometimes the throttle gets stuck. Yeah. And and you're always on. And and that's uh, <laughs> it's tough to get that throttle unstuck. It you is. Know, you know, it is. And that's why you need, you know, the peer support. You need the activities you need, you know to do everything that will work for you. So really try and get out there and, and do so much. I don't want to, to, to speak too fast there. If you have your questions and we'll, you know, follow the, the, uh, the, the guideline of what you have for this show. No, no, I make it up as I go along, Bruno. Oh, oh okay, great. We're good. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. At what point, so, yeah. at what point in your recovery did you get to the point of, Okay, I think I'm farther, far enough along now in this uh, journey of self-discovery, which is really what recover, recovery is. I'm going to start helping others. Uh, do you right. remember what that point was? Yeah, so, um, you know, so once I got the diagnosis and I accepted the help and everything and I seeked it out, um, then uh, the, two things happened. One, uh, you know, obviously the love for my son and wanted to be here for him. Um, that was important to me. Because, you know, suicide doesn't end the pain. It just reassigns it, right? So um, so I didn't want him to live with that. And then two was that um, while I was going through the mental health system, which rightly so are doing the best that they can with the information that they have, um, I was on a lot of medication, tons of it. And one day I went in and I was really kind of, I don't like to use the word trigger because not everybody's. Using yeah, I don't like it triggered. either. But what else? So, yeah. You know, exactly. So I was kind of like in a in a state, right, of anxiety, panic, and all these things. And I go to mental health, and I see a psychiatrist, and um, and he goes, you know, he's having a day as well. Obviously, with seeing every patient, I don't know how to do it, but um, but basically, he goes and he goes, here's the prescription, and gives me another prescription for another pill, and then I go, and by that time. I, you got you got to understand that I was on so much medication that you're right. I wasn't feeling any pain, but I was also not feeling any joy. I was pretty much flatlining with one emotion. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then uh, so this guy gives me another pill. So I'm I'm thinking of myself like I'm a zombie right now. And um, so I, when I go to the pharmacy, the base pharmacy with it, I um, the doctor, the, the pharmacist goes, oh, hey, you know what? I got to call to Ottawa for this to approve this one. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, what does this guy give me? So before I leave, I say, hey, can you give me the name so I can research it? So the pharmacist gives me the name. I go home and the psychiatrist would give me a bipolar medication. So I was like, why is he giving me this? So this might this is something clicked in my head. 
and said, this is not right. This is, I shouldn't be on these amount of pills. Like I have a picture of it. I, I, I was just sane enough to take a picture of it that day. And I, I had like 15 kind of different because I also had injured my back as a paratrooper. So I had back pain medicine and everything. But um, the thing is, is that that's, that's what it was. Um, just one second here. And then, um, so I said, I asked myself the question, what was I doing on a daily basis when I was on top of my game? What were the points that kept me fit and healthy and all these things? And one of them was working out every morning would work out. So I started working out again. I had stopped completely working out and I started working out. And that's kind of like gave me something accomplished every day while you're thinking you're you're broken. So um, and then at that time as well, PSP had done a, um, a presentation on post-traumatic stress and mental health and all these things. And when it was a pres- in the presentation, the guy just said, it's just something, I, I can't tell you what the presentation said, but only this part, which was the guy said, when you go through trauma, you create new neural pathways to be able to deal with the trauma. So when you go on tour for seven months, you created new par- par- uh, neural pathways to keep you alive, to survive, to see things. That's why your senses are heightened. And I was like, well, wait a minute. The light bulb comes up again. And I say, wait a minute. If my body can create new neural pathways to feel this way in seven months, then I can create new neural pathways and become healthy again. So I started the research and I, that's when it started me going forward and, and looking at these things. And when I was working out at the gym, a lot of people started coming to see me. And I found out that when I was focused on helping them and teaching them how to work out and, you know, I was opening my gym and all these things, I found that people that knew about my story were seeking me out. And the minute I started helping them, it started healing me. So that's when I started just scaling that up and just getting on a bigger scale and doing the things that I do now. Which is a lot. Uh, You are one busy dude. So tell me about the North Pole. For the audience, this guy went to the frickin' North Pole. So (laughs) why the hell did you do that, Bruno? And what did you learn from it? Well, the North Pole was, um, I had received a phone call from a retired general uh, named Michel Nazonev. And they were looking for ill and injured soldiers. True Patriot Love, the foundation uh, that helps a lot of military and military family, um, were looking for soldiers to go up with business leaders up to the North Pole and make it the largest expedition ever to the North Pole and make a documentary called March to the Pole. And uh, and of course, right, like Richard Branson said, because I was reading a lot of business and, 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 and a lot of books for self-help and everything as I was running my gym, said that uh, if somebody offers you an opportunity, say yes, then figure out how, how to do it later. Right. So I just opened my gym. I didn't have any staff. I didn't have nothing. And this guy calls me and he says, do you want to go to the North Pole? I said, yes, right away, because this is just too cool. <laughs> Not Get in the van. How- I'll explain later. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just get right. in the van. Get in the van. So anyway, so I said yes. And then I, I shut the, the, the phone and I go, man, I just go, I got to go to the North Pole now. And how am I going to keep... <laughs> right? How am I going to keep... How many people is that? I think I'm going to go to the North Pole. <laughs> yeah. Just incredible. 
So now I got to go to, so how am I going to keep the gym open, making money? One, I was freshly divorced. So how am I going to take like care of my son? Who's going to take care of my son while I'm away and all these things. And I was like, Oh man, there was so many parts. But the thing is, is that um, I want to make sure that everybody knows that is that if it's meant to happen, the universe will align and it always does. And everything just came through and I went to the North pole and it was probably the best thing I've ever done for healing as well. Um, how, never like, what, like how, how did that, what was it about this expedition that was healing for you? Well, first, uh, I was like, you know, being retired and everything. I was back with soldiers again. Um, and then, uh, it was an, a physical activity. I really respond well to physical activities for healing. So that for me was great too. I didn't bring any electronics. I didn't bring anything. Uh, you had to pull your own gear. So we had a toboggan and a backpack. Everybody, every member of the expedition, your toboggan was about 70 pounds to 90 pounds and about 40 pounds on your back. So it was like just bringing me back into the, you know, like rucking and all these things. And, and uh, we were there with um, business leaders here, like millionaires and CEOs and all these things. And they really brought in an insight of just breaking the pattern of the typical conversations you have when you're talking to the other ill and injured soldiers. And uh, what I found was that they, they, they rarely talk about or complain, would be better, about problems. They're most of the time talking about solutions or what good can we do. And, uh, and, you know, going up to the North Pole, if you've never been up north, um, one, there's no, it's a sound vacuum. Uh, what do I mean by that is that there's no trees, there's no cars, there's no, there's no noise, there's no bugs, there's no nothing. So basically when you're walking, the only thing you hear is the cracking of the snow underneath your feet and actually your, your own breathing, unless you're walking with someone and then you're having a discussion, which we had plenty of um the it's pristine up there you can actually see the curvature of the earth it was 24 hour sun there was no distraction only you and your thoughts where you would think that at home the last thing i want to do is be left with my thoughts but that was the right space to you know sort some things out mm -hmm. and then when we got to the to the to the north pole which was the magnetic north pole right not the actual north pole okay so so we went there and when we got there uh, which the Rangers had put a Canadian flag for us right at the cords. Um, uh, we, we, I just left everything up there, Mark. That's it. I just went to the flag when, the, when all the celebration was done and everything, everybody was back in their tent. I went on my own and I went there and then I had ran into, so I had ran into some clearance divers that were doing an exercise up in resolute Bay. And, uh, one of the East coast diver gave me a coin to leave up there. So, I left all my problems and that coin up there and that's it. I was like 20 tons off my chest. It's pretty cool. It was a really good uh, uh, adventure. My God. Uh, how long was the, um, was the, the hike was the trek? 140 kilometers took us six days. What was, what was your jump off point? The tip of Baffin Island or where were you? No, they dropped us at uh, King Christian Island. Yeah. So we went to, uh, we went to, uh, Ikeriot, then we went to Resolute Bay from Resolute Bay. We went and got dropped off on the ice at King's Christian Island. And then we started our trek from there. What time of year did you do it? Uh, April, May. 
April, May. That's uh, the same as uh, for Everest expeditions. They go, they tend to go around May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's just because the weather is just changing all around the, the, the globe, right? And uh, for us, like I said, it was 24-hour sun. So we had a snowstorm. Uh, so they dropped half the expedition one night, and then the storm came in. So w- the, the other half, we got stuck in the camp. Then they flew us out. We started. It was beautiful, 24-hour beautiful not a cloud in the sky. Even at one o'clock in the morning, it's like full sun. And, and how, um, how many people were with you on this track? 53. Wow. Yeah. That's counting the camera crew, the, the business leaders, the ill and injured soldiers, the people from uh, uh, True Patriot Love, and the guides. Yeah. Now, you had a particularly notable person on that hike, didn't you? Uh, well, we had a few. Uh, which one are you saying? So we had, we had uh, on the t- the trip uh, notable. We had uh, the team captain and the goalie from the Sochi Canadian women's team oh, with awesome. their gold medals. Awesome. Um, and then we had, uh, yeah, who who you who are you thinking of? Well, I was thinking of His Royal Highness. No, that was the South Pole. That was another one. <laughs> so you did the South Pole as well. Nope, no, no, no. I wasn't on the south. I was supposed to be on the South Pole, but um, His Royal Highness did a thing with the U.S. and Canada and the U.K. Uh, my buddy Chris was on that expedition. Okay. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It was a totally different expedition, and it was not uh, TPL organized. So you met uh, Prince Harry through the Invictus Games, then? That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Amazing, amazing individual. Outstanding, actually. Uh, I had the honor of meeting him for the first time on the 2nd of May, 2016, uh, in Toronto, just before we launched for the games over in Orlando. I met, um, uh, his Royal Highness Prince Harry, uh, gave him a coin from the team and I met, um, uh, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Prince, Prince Harry is an awesome dude. Yeah, that is fantastic. I've, I know people that served with him and, uh, like in Suffield, and mm-hmm. nothing but good things I've heard about uh, about Prince Harry. Uh, there, he's like every single time I met, I met him maybe about eleven times yeah. through the games because now I'm an ambassador for the games. Yeah. So I met him about eleven times. And to tell you the truth, uh, two 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 kind of quick stories here to make him like. First of all, anybody that stops him, a veteran or something like that, to take pictures, he says yes, no matter what. Um, when I accepted the flag from uh, from uh, Will, the uh, American captain, to bring the flag home to Toronto for the Invictus Games 2017 on stage in Orlando. I walked to the back of the stage with my flag and I was walking. I couldn't find anybody. Where do I put this flag? What's going on? And all of a sudden, from behind the curtain, somebody comes through and says, hey, good job, mate. And it's him. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? Do I curtsy? Do I <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Because he was on his own. No, there was nobody else. But funny enough, because there was like hundreds of people back there, you know, like the staff and everything. All of a sudden, there was like kind of empty. And I was like, what's going on there? And man, me and him had a conversation just like two guys. Like, just say, you know what? The, um, uh, he says, I can't wait to see Toronto. You guys are going to do a great job over there. Bruno, how'd you enjoy the games? All these things. And I was like, your highness, it was uh, amazing, changing, and all these things. So uh, he's cool like that. And then the other story was he was talking with some dignitaries with like George Bush and all these things. And my buddy was just coming back from the archery. So he had his 
his bow with him and his uh, arrow sticking out of his backpack. And he's just saying, man, I need to talk to this guy. And uh, he, st- he stood there by the side. And all of a sudden, um, Prince Harry noticed that he was standing there. And he turned around and he goes, are you waiting to see me? And my friend says, yeah, yeah, yeah your highness, just, just take your time. No worries. It's not a big rush. It's just when you got a chance and all this stuff. And, um, and he said, no, 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 don't worry about that. And he left all these dignitaries to come and talk to him. <laughs> That's and he awesome. took a picture with my buddy, and you can see the arrow sticking out of his back and his backpack and everything. And that's how Harry is. Um, once again, in Toronto, when we were there, uh, we did I did a, a speaking engagement for his father's charity. And um, he cited uh, myself, Casey Wall, uh, Alec, I think it was Alec, and um, uh, Lindert. Uh, we got uh, to... Uh, the, the the crew came and got us and says, His Royal Highness would like to talk to you. And they set us to the side of the, the room. And all the paparazzi comes around and they, we got the banners in the back and it's turning into this like media show. And so, but I'm always thinking because they always talk, tell us to uh, think about protocol and all these things because it's important, right? When you meet dignitaries. And, um, and I was thinking, okay, I got to tell Prince Harry, you know, remind him I was Bruno, team captain from last year. And all these things, all of a sudden, a ginger head pops over the paparazzi and he goes, Hey, Bruno, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Holy shit, the prince remembers my name. That's yeah, yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, the royal yeah, family's really cool. good about that. Yeah, yeah, very good. And, uh, you know, of all of them, he's the one who's the most, well, he served, right? Yeah, he, he sure as hell did. On the ground. Yeah, he served on the ground and then came back as a chopper pilot. But, so Bruno, I wanted to talk to you about the Vets Brigade. Uh, what is it? What's your role in it? And what's what's their scope? What are what are they up to at the Vets Brigade? Yeah, the Vets Brigade is uh, is an idea that uh, uh, retired Colonel uh, Richard Pucci and myself came up with to help uh, to just to have another platform to help veterans and first responders out there. And basically, what it is is that a platform where um, you know what? We, we push out any information about veterans and first responders that we have. Uh, basically, uh, you know, I don't know if you had the experience of, you know, uh, sites that are out there helping uh, vets or something like that. They all have kind of like an agenda. They all have something to, you know, we'll say, well, they, you need to apply to the site or to the platform and you need to show what it is that you're doing. And sometimes they have like a they have a, uh, well, we already have a fitness guy, or we already have a, a, a t-shirt guy, or we already have a podcast guy, and we already have these guys, so we're looking for the things we don't have. Us at Vet Brigades, we just promote everybody. We just, like, if you are a veteran or first responders and you're doing something, we're promoting you. Uh, we, we put a lot of posts about historical uh, veterans uh, through through the years, World War One, World War Two, Korean War, uh, uh, from other countries, the States, UK, Australia, we post pretty much everything on there. And it's basically a platform where you can come in and get some information and also see, um, you know, uh, if you're looking for podcasts, you know you, you can have your podcast mark is on there, right? And uh, if you're looking for, um, you know, uh, Guys that are doing a veteran welding is on there. Uh, T-shirts is on there. 
Uh, if you're looking for mental health, help is on there. Like that's what we're doing. We're just promoting everything. So if you have a business, if somebody's listening to this and you're a veteran, you have a business, just send me an email. Go on to vetsbrigade.com, send me an email, and we'll put you up. Uh, we just put up uh, two two uh, new organizations from Cochrane, actually, um, Alberta, uh, the Wine Glass um, Wine Glass wine Wellness glass Retreat. Wellness Retreat, that's it, and Veteran Hunter. Uh, I know them all. Yes. Yes, you do. Uh, you guys uh, in Alberta are connected. Uh, it is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Todd Heisey, uh, just yeah. an amazing guy. Uh, and he runs yeah. the Veterans Hunters and I've uh, been kind, uh, he's been kind enough to let me jump in on that. And I've been on a couple of hunts, including recently we were on a turkey hunt, which was freaking awesome. And, I saw the pictures of that. Yeah, and the uh, the wine glass uh, uh, wellness retreat. I was there for uh, part of their grand opening and the, and the media and all that. And it's just a spectacular, spectacular place for veterans and first responders to go and decompress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's something at, about Alberta that you guys are really, really creating all these organization or these these uh these events that are helping vets and first responders so and it's pretty uh, amazing in southern alberta in particular we have uh, um, there's only two food banks for veterans in the entire country and they're both in calgary yeah and veterans uh, brigade is uh supporting that yeah, yeah so we're well, raising money right now for it well there's the veterans food bank which i'm unfamiliar with i haven't i've never gone to visit but the veterans association food bank i, I know them well and uh, what they've been able to accomplish is absolutely spectacular. Yes, they're doing great stuff. And people might want to wonder, why is there a specific food bank for veterans? Like, well, one of the things about PTSD or OSIs, operational stress injuries, is that because of the symptoms that come along with it, the anger outbursts, the inability to back down from anybody, like you'd stand up to Godzilla and say, come on, I'll bite your ankle. And, uh, like you just don't back off of anybody. Well, when your boss is giving you a little bit of a push and you, and you're not taken kindly to it, uh, we're the guys that speak up and say, no, Mm -hmm. that's not cool. And then you get fired. Mm -hmm. So after you get fired again and again, and again, you either got to figure out, um, a job that you're not going to get fired from, which is why so many veterans become truck drivers, uh, so that they become independent or they become entrepreneurs. But for yes. those, that, those that don't find that, they, um, the depression that comes on top of getting fired again and again and again um, uh, and the hopelessness that comes with that, uh, people end up on the streets and yeah. uh, they, they end up economically very challenged. And that's why you need a Veterans Association food bank. Yeah, and we need to to find those guys and help them out. And I know that the, um, the tiny, what is it? The tiny, tiny homes, homes for hero. Yep. Yeah. Homes for heroes. That's uh, Dave yeah. Howard. I've had him on yeah. the show. Yeah. I know in Calgary, right? In Calgary, there's something about Southern Alberta. I'm telling you. Yeah. 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 It's pretty awesome. I love seeing that. That's uh, I'll promote. Like, that's why I say that's, that's what I, I don't pick and choose. I promote everything that is out there. That helps. And uh, actually, we're uh, partnering up with uh, companies to find new ways to help um, veterans and first responders on all that we're doing research in the Netherlands and the States. Data is attached to that. We're doing some research up here in Canada on how to help um, uh, veterans and first responders in many, many ways. Because the thing is, is that you've probably heard that, Mark. Somebody will come up to you and say, I've tried everything. 
and nothing's working, Bruno. And I go, well, have you really tried everything? Like everything? Have you tried, um, you know, uh, equestrian therapy? No. Have you tried fishing? No. Have you tried crafting? No. Have you tried writing, journaling? No. Okay. Well, what did you try? Well, I went to see the psychologist one time. Okay. <laughs> well, that's not <laughs> good to do it, pal. <laughs> that's not good to go. So basically, that's what it is. I and I try to find myself into position, and most of the positions are all volunteer to be able to create an impact or uh, guide and learn about where veterans can go. So now I've just accepted and been uh, uh, given a position on the as an advisor to the council of the um, Center of Excellence for Chronic Pain for Veteran uh, from Veterans Affair. So um, it's just about, you know, having um, a better understanding of how things work so that I can help on a you know bigger scale as well. Um, and, and that's what I always motivate veterans and first responders to start doing. Let's go out there and find what works for you, right? For me, it's sports and working out and meditation and, and all these things. But for some other people, that's not what it is. And maybe you have injuries that doesn't get you to do the amount of sports that you need. So maybe you need to find something else. But you need to go out there and try anything. Because you know what? When you see one veteran, you've seen one veteran. The blanket formula doesn't work here. Right. Well, Bruno, uh, that's about our time. And uh, please stay on the line. But thank you so much for joining us today and, and for all that you do to share resources and supporting the veteran community and for being so open and honest about the effects of um, an operational stress injury and how that's affected your life. Uh, and of course, for the uh, uh, the amazing story of going to the North Pole, just incredible. But uh, uh, Bruno, thank you for being here, brother. Mark, thank you so much. And if I can just uh, you know, convey a message to all your listeners and everything, if you are stuck somewhere in either your living room, your basement, or you're stuck and you're not reaching out, you can reach out to me at any time over Facebook and my emails on my site or anything like that. I will always respond. And But if you're stuck and you don't reach out, then you're making a decision here. You're choosing to be stuck. So there's plenty of, of vets out there that are ready to help. So please reach out. And if somebody is listening to this, then they've taken the first step. Uh, they yes. are accessing a resource and 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 learning about what an OSI is and what to do about it, because it's there is no magic pill. Um, there is no magic pill. No. Uh, PTSD recovery is an activity, not an event. You have to you have to make it happen. Yes, you have to. All right, brother. Thanks again. Thank you, Mark. I'm your OPSO, Mark Mankey. This is Operation Tango Romeo, the Tremor Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Mm-hmm.